0: So I would love it if mom, our listeners wanted to look me up there. I'm at Meganfrancis.substack.com and that's Megan with two A's, M-E-A-G-A-N francis.substack.com. Hi, I'm Sarah, and I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey,
1: everyone, and welcome to episode 314 of the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers here with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah not together in person. Sadly. I was just
0: going to say, this is the first time we've recorded not in the same room in weeks. Is that accurate? <laughs> I, I mean, we were so. only together recording one time and I was only there for like four days, but still it's been weeks since we recorded
1: not together. And it makes me sad. I reject this change to our situation. <laughs> uh, we are talking about house rules for sibling harmony today. I'm really excited about this. This is actually kicking off a loose series. By that, I mean, we're not going to do a bunch of these in a row, but it's something we hope to return to periodically, right?
0: Yeah, and I think that with us, sometimes we don't go in intending for something to be a really structured series. And then we just have so much fun with it and realize that people love it. So we just keep bringing it back. And I have a feeling this will be one of those where like now that we're doing this one, that is house rules about siblings. um, I have a feeling people would be like, oh my gosh, I love it. I want to hear your house rules about, I don't know, X, Y, and Z. Dinner, uh, keeping the house clean. There, there's so many places we could go with this.
1: Yeah, there is, and and one thing that sets this episode apart, maybe from other times we've talked about sibling arguments or sibling harmony, is we're really leaning on the community here for this, and for this house rules series, I think that's how we plan to do it. Because here's the thing about house rules: like, hearing Megan and my house rules like does only gets you. It doesn't get you very far if you're listening right. at home. But hearing <laughs> right. from twenty or thirty or 40, uh, different moms around the country and how they handle their house rules around sibling harmony, it's, you start to build a picture of the things that might work for your family. Cause I think that's, that's something pretty key about when we dig into like what our house rules is they, they really have to be in response to your situation. So, um, we're going to lean on the community today and we got a lot of great input. Um, but Megan, you have said many times that you don't feel like you are as much of a rules mom or like that you don't you're really good in the moment and you have a really you're very responsive and attentive but you don't often go into parenting challenges with like a system or a structure like I might. So how does this even feel to you to talk about house rules?
0: Well, it's funny because I do, I think the way I um I was looking at this is thinking you've made rules for even for fun. Like you have fun rules in your house and I think it wouldn't occur to me to do that because um Because like, I don't, I don't want to say like I'm fun all the time. I'm not at all, but like fun would be something that would probably happen a little more spontaneously with me. On the other hand, I definitely sort of accidentally backed into sort of overarching rules, especially when my kids were really little. And often it was just something, it was like a pain point or something that kept annoying me over and over, or was like really specific to my ability to cope with whatever they were doing. And it would just become like this like rule, like we can't do that anymore, or this doesn't happen in this house some of those we've outgrown. I mean, obviously the stuff that my kids needed to know was a rule at three years old, or when there was a house full of them under 11 or something, you know, that was very different than what we need now. But some of them have really stayed on with us as part of our family culture. They don't feel like rules. It's just what we do.
1: Right. And I think, um, I love actually, I like the phrase house rules, um, because I agree. It doesn't feel like a restrictive rule, like maybe like a rule in the classroom or something like, it's more like how we do. Like how we do in our house is this. And as we get into these listener suggestions, a lot of them are more like a guiding principle or a mantra. It's not like if you break this rule, you'll get in trouble, and here's how. It's a little bit more of like like a like a family a family mantra or a guiding principle. And I love that. Um, I know we have a lot of fans of the lazy genius Kendra in this in our listener community. And Kendra's book, The Lazy Genius Way has a section on house rules. And I love the way she kind of sets it up as, looking like as a mom, what are the things where, you know, like their Lego is on the floor that you step on. But before that, like somebody didn't pull it away, their water glass and it spilled. And like these little, um, these little things that add up to where you find yourself really frustrated throughout the day. And uh, Kendra's whole thing is like, you don't have to go full bore. You don't have to be a genius about everything. You don't have to make a house rule about everything. But what are the pain points or what are the little things that a tiny bit of structure could could put you halfway back towards sane? And I love her approach. So we'll link up Kendra's um, podcast and book as well, because if you're not already a fan, I think she has some very smart things to say about house rules. So,
0: Well, and you've said before, Sarah, that creating a rule around something that was already A thing anyway, just like has created, I don't know, this intentionality. It's like, it, it makes you feel like you're the boss. Like you're in charge of something that otherwise maybe didn't feel like you were in charge of, um, which I think is really smart. It's like you decided. So therefore this thing that maybe could have felt like I was a little out of control or not, um, not super on the ball actually now it's an intentional choice. So therefore it is a rule. So I think that it works in a lot of, um, a lot of situations.
1: Yeah. And it removes that, um, feeling of having to Respond or decide how to deal with something fresh every time. Like, that you're having to reinvent your, your, like, what do I do when a kid does this? Like, oh, well, our house rule around that is that you put your shoes in the closet right when you get home from school or whatever. So it does sort of like put a, yeah, put a structure on something. And I mean, we know those little annoyances throughout the day can add up to kind of some big feelings about motherhood and managing a family. So I guess I'm a fan of house rules. But but to return to this idea of crowdsourcing, like we don't expect all of you listening to make these things we're going to talk about today, your house rules. That's not the point. It's not like Megan and Sarah told me I need to have this as my house rule around siblings getting along. In fact, I think when you listen today, it wouldn't make sense. Like some of these actually are opposite of each other because they're different people's house rules responding to different dynamics in those houses.
0: Right. And also different things that bug us. Like we all have our own hangups and we're all allowed to have our own hangups. And, um, some of the more classic mom rules that have become sort of part of my family's culture, like one that I talk about all the time, the four on the floor, you know, for, um, for all four chair legs on the floor. That's because I don't want my kids to rock back in their chairs. Not everyone cares, but I right. get to care. And you may have totally different feeling about the way your kids share or beat up on each other or, um, the words that they're allowed to sarcastically use. Like some moms have a much higher tolerance for physical play than others. Some mm-hmm. moms have a much higher tolerance for verbal play than others. And our sensitivity levels matter as well as our kids do. So I feel like it can be both very intentional and also completely arbitrary, like arbitrarily intentional
1: yeah, or intentionally you, arbitrary. <laughs> intentionally <laughs> Whichever. arbitrary. Whichever. Yeah. Um, And as you said, you will outgrow a lot of these rules. I was smiling reading through these that it makes sense to have them and then you'll outgrow them and you'll look back on them fondly. Uh, We chose sibling harmony for the first of these house rules, you know, loose series uh, because I think it is a it is a pain point in a lot of houses. And it's not something you can like. I mean, these kids are in your house and they are siblings with each other for a very long time. So it's not unlike maybe like, I don't know tantrums or different phases where you're like, Oh, just wait it out. It'll get better. I feel like sibling dynamics are a thing from the very beginning all the way through. So we thought this would be a good, a good place to start with house rules.
0: Well, and there's, whenever you have any dynamic where there's multiple people involved who are all developing at rapid rates at the same time, um, they're like developing in and out of phases. It's just a lot going on. Like you might think you've got it all figured out. And then in a month, it's all changed again. And, and that's true with all parenting. But when there's multiple siblings involved, then their dynamics are all clashing with, with each other's and yours. And it, yeah, yep. it's a lot. It's a lot. So it's looking lot. forward to digging in. Yeah.
1: Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, we're all comparing notes on our favorite product.
0: Listeners, our place offers a hundred day trial with free shipping and returns. And we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site wide.
1: That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress free and hit our wellness goals with ready to eat meals from our sponsor, Factor.
0: plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Sarah. So just to kind of kick this off, I think one of the, I don't know, one of the themes that is maybe the most common with kids, uh, with siblings, especially like multiple young, somewhat close in age siblings. I don't remember it being a lot of like uh, actual fighting or like, you know, beating each other up except for fun. It was more like this idea that every sibling wanted to have their turn, like their, their time to be first, their time to get to choose, their time. And then that creates so much conflict because obviously they can't always all choose. They can't right. always all be first. They can't always be the one to decide, uh, you know, what movie to watch tonight or like what song in the car to put on or like who gets to go first on the escalator. Like, you know, sometimes <laughs> just only one gets to. Um, So I think that like that is probably one of those really common themes that I feel like really lingered a really long time with my kids. I just said really like seven times. But that's because in my mind, this was such an intense, competitive,
1: um, everyone
0: kind of looking out for themselves thing. And it it, lasted a long time.
1: It lasts so long. And it's got to be obviously very biological. I'm picturing like puppies scrambling to get to the top of the pile or to get to like the best nursing teat or whatever—it's like it is hardwired right. in them, and they've got to do it. But it lasts forever, and I think for many, many moms, this is just so aggravating because we are adults and we want to say to them, "Like, are you kidding me? We're fighting over like <laughs> right. this this thing again, or like who gets to push the elevator button?" And I'm looking at like my ten year old, and I'm like, "You really still care to push the elevator button?" But there's right. something in them that makes them dig in and want to. To jockey for those positions. So I love this. We got a lot of great house rules and many of them very similar. So that's really cool because I think people are arriving in, in different ways at, at, at a solution for this, whose turn is it? And I'll just briefly say, um, that we have what had what we call Tuesday, like your day to choose not Tuesday with an, with a T, but you're choosing and it just rotates, um, Allegra, read Violet, Allegra, read Violet, Allegra, read Violet. And They have to remember whose it is because I didn't implement this till Violet was probably till she cared two or three. Um, She probably cared younger than that, but really when it started to be an issue. And so it's their job to remember whose Tuesday it is. It is not my job. There's no chart or piece of paper. That's up to them. And then it just rotates through and it solves for all of the minor things. So like like we said, whose turn it is to push the elevator button, who gets to pick the movie, who gets to choose a song first Mm -hmm. in the car. Tuesday does not allow you to like lord power over someone else. Like you don't get to <laughs> like, like, I choose that. You don't get to do
0: anything today. Exactly. Like yeah. you walk into a yeah.
1: room and your brother is reading a book that's community property and you don't just get to say, it's my Tuesday. I'm going to take that book out of your hands. Like other, other forms of courtesy and other house rules still apply, but to arbitrate the tiny stuff. Tuesday has worked great for us. Um, and, and we got a lot of listeners who have some version of that in their families.
0: I, okay. So first of all, I love that we got so many different, um, variations on this theme, several of them from twin or moms of twins. Right. And I'm going to highlight two of those, because I think if you've got twins, this is all times a hundred, like yeah. not only are there multiple kids wanting to you know, probably choose the same stuff, but they're the same exact age. So it's just going to be so much more intense. Right. So Lisa says to stop small disagreements when my twins were little, I created a chart every week that said which day one of them got to sit in a specific chair, who took their bath first, et cetera. This is my favorite part. She says, part of me really did not enjoy making that chart each week. And I did it for a long time, but it was worth it. It reminds me of when, um, lots of times in school or daycare, a birthday kid gets to be like king or queen for the day yes. or whatever. And they get to be the chooser and how it's so funny now to look back at that and think like, why do you really care? You really want to be like, I, I had like less choices in my life, like less yeah. choosing, right, but how big right. of a deal, right? I just want like someone else to make the decisions for me. But in those days that like being empowered, empower, that way was a big deal. And so it was great to be like king or queen for a day. It really meant a lot. Um, Jen, who is the mom of five-year-old twins, um, this is just another variation on this theme says every day since they were about two, we've alternated whose day it is. Odd numbers, uh, odd number days are Z's day, even days are A's day. She said it started with a scuffle over a pink sippy cup and it was the (laughs) only way to settle the dispute, but it morphed into a bigger thing and now applies to everything. So like, those are two different ways to like, work this out. One involves a chart. One just has like a system that you kind of have to remember, you know, which day you're on, but like, you know, you have to know what day it is, which sometimes is challenging. Um, but you know, that's, I think those are just two, two examples of ways to have the Tuesday theme. Um, I love this one. And this is kind of going into like the, the coveted thing. Like maybe it's the best piece of cake or like the, the color everybody wants on the game. So Kristen says, growing up, there are four of us. So if there was something like a cupcake, we had a rule that whoever's birthday was coming up next gets the last piece. I like that because, you know, there's always going to be like someone's birthday coming up next and you don't have to think about it too hard. The only time I could see that not working is if you've got a cluster of birthdays and then one birthday that's like an outlier. So like yeah. in our house, Clara would be like top dog. She would win. Cause she'd get the longest period of time from the last birthday to the next.
1: Yeah. And then, and then actually then your first, after the her first birthday, of your fall. Yeah.
0: Right. And actually that would be the person who'd win. That would be Isaac. He'd get like the long time. So it's almost like you'd have to hope they weren't smart enough to figure that out. Um, or it was well, the birthdays would have to be somewhat evenly distributed.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think in Kristen's family, someone commented like, Oh, just like you said, that would never work right. in my family. But I think that illustrates this perfectly is obviously in her family, it did work because they were relatively right. evenly spaced. And she said, I think my mom just like kind of took over the, the lag months that were, right. you know, and she declared it hers. So <laughs> it's actually, oh, I love ev- that. it's evidence that these things adapt for the families that they're in. Um, I yeah. also thought, so lots of people have the even and odd where, you know, if you have two kids, then that's easy. You know what day it is, right. the even days and the odd days. And someone pointed out that a lot of months have thirty-one days, Uh, so the odd person gets an extra day, which little kids won't really notice. And then other people chimed in and said, "Well, that became Mom's Tuesday in our family." So it's like you can see how these are moving, shifting, organic, dynamic situations. It's not like you're not—we're not. This is not a parenting manual. This is like right—you figure it out as you go for yourself. And I love hearing the variances in each family.
0: Yes, I do too, and I agree. Like you can you can create the structure and then go ooh. But now I need to alter it. Like, now I'm going to modify mm-hmm. it. And as kids get smarter and more savvy and start figuring your systems out, you can then add to it. And sometimes if they get too smart and too savvy, it's almost like you could take something away a little bit just to kind of do it like, okay, so you guys got so smart. Now you know that someone gets more days than the other. Now they're my days. I, I love right. that. Like mom, mom's the winner in that case. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. These last two I'm going to share. I love because they're kind of playing on. Um. Little kids in particular, well, not little, just little kids, all kids, but their um, ability to kind of like, I don't know, try to game the odds or game the system from within the system and then sort of turn that back on them. So Suzanne says, if you volunteer another person for something, it's now your job or your turn. So I love that. Like, it's kind of using the psychology of like, oh, this person, you know, this kid, it's their turn to do the dishes. Oh, is it? Well, now it's your turn or whatever. You know, yeah. like just like okay, well, if you you know want to have an opinion about that, here's my opinion, or eves she said, if you want to clip if you want to flip a coin and you lose, so like if you have decided as a sibling that the solution is you're going to flip a coin to see who goes first or last or does this task or doesn't, if you lose, you can't complain, and I like that too, because the person suggesting the system shouldn't yes. be the one who benefits from the system every single time, and that is a classic older sh- child, yeah um ploy to put a littler sibling in the way or like create a system that probably will, you know, not positively Uh affect the younger sibling. And so I love turning that back around and saying, well, nope, you don't get that. That's not going to be for you. You don't get to win from this.
1: I love both of those so much. And that leads right into another one that came up a whole bunch in our Facebook group thread, which is the classic. I cut this in half, you choose which half you get. And I remember doing this as a kid. And I remember my mom saying that was how they did it as a kid. And a lot of our uh, Jessica and Catherine and Renee and others had had not really variations on this. It's a pretty simple one. This is how you do it. Like if you're fighting over a cookie and you get to split it, one person cuts it in half or breaks it in half. The other person chooses, because just like you said, Megan, the one who stands to benefit can't also be Tossing the coin, so to so to speak, or right, like right. gaming the odds. So whoever breaks it in half, the other person chooses their half, which incentivizes the first person to make it really equal. So it's like a built-in; yeah. it's a win-win.
0: I love that, and I am embarrassed by how long it took me to figure out that that particular system. Now, I will say, with five kids, right. that can get kind of <laughs> tricky because who's the cutter? Who's the first chooser? I just remember like. That was something I always was having to modify um, anything where there was like one person who set the, I guess, you know, created the options. And then one person who gets to choose the first option in this case, it would be I cut you choose. I always had to like work in like a third or a fourth qualifier yeah, to kind of even it out and spread out the risk. And then there was always the little kid who didn't care anyway, like they're a toddler and they don't even know what's going on. And often an older kid who truly doesn't care either. Like sometimes the kids like outgrow the competitive nature. They almost, they kind of get to the other side where they don't even want to be uncool enough to pretend like they care anymore. So it typically was only two or three of my kids at a time that it affected, but I did have to sometimes get creative about that.
1: Yeah. The I cut yeah. you choose has a built in binary, like an, an assumed two child family. And as we right. know, that is not always the case. I think as we're looking at all of these, what I, what like the common thread is that as moms, like sometimes the instinct is to squash the whole thing. Like don't fight over this. It doesn't matter who gets to go first, who cares. And we all know that's not effective. Like it may be right. true in our minds, but it's not effective. So what I love about all these solutions is it gives the power back to kids to say, yeah, it does feel good to go first. It does feel good to get the bigger piece of the cookie. So what's the ha- what's our house rule so that over time this is fair for everyone? You might not like it today. It might not feel fair today. But in the long run of your life, you're going to know that there's this house rule that sort of like creates an, a sense of egalitarianism at a, right. at a higher level.
0: Yeah. Yes, exactly. And I mean, and sometimes you're going to have to like really get, I don't know, kind of crazy. I'm like, I'm picturing now all the ways I might have played out like an <laughs> eye cut you choose with more than like three kids. Like maybe one kid cuts, one kid puts them all under teacups and moves them around, you know, or like under yeah. um, bowls So you can't see which pieces are which and gets to like scramble them. And then like a third kid gets to choose for someone else. Like there's just so many ways to like play and have fun with it. And I think that's, I think sometimes like we forget that these rules are there to make our lives easier and to cut down um, on arguing and stuff, but also we can make them kind of funny yep. and like have some fun with it. And I think if, when you're really silly about stuff like this, sometimes it kind of just diffuses whatever the situation is. Really? And it, so th- in that way it, it does the job even if it's not, even if it's not a, a perfect system. Yeah. Um, we also got several versions of a house rule that is basically like, now you don't get to argue about that anymore. Um, <laughs> like choosing a favorite color plate or fighting over in my, in my house, it was the, the Chinese spoon, which I don't understand why they decided it was a Chinese. It was just one of those, like, you know, scalloped spoons mm-hmm. that one of my kids, when they were very little, decided that it was called the Chinese spoon. And then the kids all fought over it. All five of them. Like yep. it's gone now. I don't have it anymore, but I just remember thinking it doesn't even seem pleasant to eat off of it because it's all like scalloped and weird. It's all bumpy.
1: Right. It's no bumpy. one knows. No <laughs> one knows. And in my house, it was the fishy cup, which yes. I have saved. I do have the fishy cup still. Um, but this several people mentioned this. And this I this is my genius friend, Stacey, who's not even like on social media and doesn't listen to podcasts. So she doesn't even know she's getting all this credit. Um, maybe a few of you heard me say this or you've just arrived there on your own. But Stacy has four kids and decided that when you turn four in her house, you've graduated to a point at which you no longer have a preference. Or plate color or cup color or which plate or cup or fork or spoon. Now the cool part about this is she still had other little kids. It's not like she was, it's not like she totally got off scot-free of, of not arbitrary or arbitrating sibling conflicts over the yeah. fishy cup, my fishy cup, but there was an end point to it. And it was it was gentle and kind. And like now you no longer get to be part of that because now guess what? I probably have a three and a one year old who are going to fight over it. So the four year old, you now get whatever plate I give you. And so a couple of people in our Facebook group, Katie Halston um, had already adopted this or were planning on adopting this. And I found out about this um, arbitrary rule too late in life. And I will say that the fishy cup we I mean, the, we fought about the fishy cup for it seems like a 100 years, Megan.
0: Right. I know. Well, it you know, every fight about a fishy cup or a Chinese spoon or whatever the thing is feels like it lasts, you know, at least 15 times as long as it actually does because it's just the ultimate annoyance, like the ultimate moment of like, seriously. And you know, um, there are those moments in parenting, but that's one of those ones that is just particularly annoying, but, uh, but yeah, very universal. And I love how smart people are about that. Yeah. Okay. So another theme is house rules about cars because we spend a lot of time in the cars and i feel like little kids are more annoying in the car than anywhere else and maybe it's just because you're like stuck in this moving yeah. you know first of all you're trying to pay attention to the road and not run anybody over um but you're in this like little sound box with whatever number of you know sound makers that you have you're like trapped in an audio booth like, with them and it's a lot and also they can all like kick each other and like they can just aggravate each other so much more in a car than anywhere else. So we got a lot of great house rules about cars. You want to take a couple, Sarah?
1: Yeah, I I loved these two. And I think you're right. It's also because if you are driving as the mom, you you cannot like you have to have expectations going in for like literally everyone's safety and life and limb, because it's not like you can. I mean, you could pull over. You could do that. I'm going to pull over thing, but we'd rather not. So, um, in Colby's house, the first one in goes to the back. And so she has captain seats in a middle row in their big vehicle. I'm picturing her kids, like almost my kid's ages where, you no longer have a lot of boosters in car seats and they are like kind of vying for different seats. So -hmm. whoever climbs in first goes to the way back seat of the car. She said it hasn't completely solved the fight, but it has helped. And that is the, that is the purpose of a house. Right. My, I do carpool right now. And the, the awkwardness of kids climbing over each other because someone has chosen like that first captain seat, right inside the door, but then they sit down first and then like three other people have to climb over them. I'm like, guys, you, you're very smart, very smart children. <laughs> like you could figure this out. So I need that one, Colby. Um, and then I love this one too from Holly. So this, this is a car rule, but it's a car rule that's different from how it works inside the house. Um, so she says, when we're in the van and someone asks you to stop doing something like singing loudly or being repetitive, we all know those like annoying sibling right. things, you must stop. If we're at home, I usually tell the annoyed person they can go in another room if they don't like the way someone's expressing themselves. But in the van, you can't get away. So the annoyer must stop. I, I, again, I could immediately employ that rule because when you have older kids, um, it is sometimes tricky when they're doing something that is clearly annoying, but not, it's not mean or offensive or, and they're not like truly violating someone's physical or personal space. They're just like, talking really loud or like making a repetitive sound tapping. And sometimes it is hard. Like sometimes you have a kid who's extra annoyed and like very sensitive. And you want to tell that person like, well, they just go somewhere else. Like they're not, they're not being that annoying, but that's a gray area. So I love it so much in the van. The annoyer has to stop in the house. The annoyed can leave the room.
0: I think that is genius. And it's kind of the way I think a lot of us would naturally think, because if you're in a home, And you can spread out. You as mom can also walk away from an annoyer. Mm -hmm. Whereas if (laughs) you're all of you right, (laughs) right. right. It's like, it's always your, unless you have like little ones where you can't leave them. But if you have like older, you know, slightly older kids where it's safe to exit the room, I put myself in timeout all the time when my kids were little because they were just annoying me. Nothing terrible, nothing egregious, nothing they needed to stop doing. But I was able to remove myself from the situation. In the car, I would find myself saying things like, I just not mean, you know, not meanly, not mad at them, but just like, I really need you to stop making that sound. It's not safe for me to drive right now. And um, it wasn't even always about being annoyed, but just about being distracted. And Mm -hmm. uh, I think that often the thing that's maybe in, you know, really annoying the sensitive kid is probably getting on your nerves too. You just maybe don't really quite notice it as much because, you know, parents can kind of go with, like moms get to go into that sort of almost like zone where you don't even feel anymore yes. <laughs> you're just numb and you don't even know anything's happening anymore but you you do get to tune stuff out but that doesn't mean it's not getting under your skin on right. some level you just maybe aren't you know super fixated so I love that um the last two in this car category are so funny I'm so glad I get to read these two okay so Jamie says first one buckled in the car is the last one out which seems like just a totally you know that just seems like a very average fair. um but yeah. smart fair thing to say. But then she says, it makes me want to die, honestly, that we have this fight every day. And I'm just laughing, (laughs) like remembering what that was like for everyone to be clamoring to get out at the same time and literally sometimes getting stuck in the van door, like the sliding door. And they're like, they get stuck between the seats because two of them are trying to go out the same door at the same time. And when I had a minivan, only one of the doors opened, like I didn't have Mm -hmm. two. And so sometimes there would just be like a mad rush for the door. And I'm like, seriously, you guys, like, It's like being on an airplane when everyone tries to get in the in the aisle the exact same time. So I just thought that was pretty smart. And then uh, this is my favorite ever. Kate says, growing up, I was a reader, especially in the car. My little brother loved to annoy me when I was reading. I was allowed to hit him with my paperback book as needed, but not on the head.
1: (laughs) I just want to hug the mom that made that rule.
0: (laughs) So it's like basically she was allowed to swat him away with a pile of paper. Uh But she just couldn't aim for his face or head. Like, I love it. It's just it's just one of those arbitrary like she had to have some standard. Like she couldn't just say you're allowed to beat your brother about the face and head with this book. But she did let her her mom let Kate use the only weapon she had to defend herself, (laughs) her book, which she was which was also like the thing she was trying to do that was having the annoyance. You know, the, the annoyance was getting in the way. It's just that made me laugh so hard. So I
1: love it so much. Moms um, are so
0: smart. I love it.
1: I know. And, and all of these, as we've talked about, are clearly, that's clearly in response to a very specific sibling dynamic that in, right. in a lot of houses would never have come up. So try on these house rules if they work for you and let the other ones go. I love it.
0: Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids To claim this deal, go to hyahealth.com slash mom hour. deal is not available on their regular website. Go to hiyahealt com slash mom hour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults.
1: Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore That's one-time use only. Bionic shoes, wearable well-being for your feet.
0: Okay, Sarah. So yeah, we're, we're kind of diving into a big category that we're just kind of generally terming uh, fighting. So that could be physical fighting or rough play, or then like, I think in some sibling dynamics, it can look a little more like, um, you know, anger and bitterness, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like just like grumpiness towards each other. And that's not always the case, but sometimes can be. And then like apologizing and making amends. So what I really remember about the stage, having four boys and then one girl, no one was really ever fighting with Clara. Not only was she the only girl, but she was also the baby of the family. And she got a pass for a very, very long time. Um, even when she was in her like more annoying stage, I think the other kids were old enough and she kind of was the baby enough that they kind of let it go. So what I really remember about the boys isn't a lot of um, tension that lasted or like, Ongoing fights. I just remember a lot of physical grappling and, you know, tumbling and horseplay. And sometimes as a mom, it's really kind of hard to suss out what's happening with that. And I'm just going to say, looking back, that a lot of times my solution was to kind of remove myself from the situation if it was getting out of hand and to when I could identify if there was an instigator or like identify if there was a kid who was truly. Angry fighting, or if there was just a, if they were just playing, and I don't think I always got that right. The thing is now everyone's interpretations of what was going on is so different that I sort of don't. I sort of both believe all of them and don't believe any of them. Like yeah. I believe that they all feel that that was true, but when Owen will tell me things like, "Yeah, when I was little, you just let my older brothers beat me up all the time," you know, mercilessly. <laughs> what I remember is that he was sneaky and instigated, and got away with it a lot of the time. And then sometimes people would just kind of snap and like go after him. And I wasn't always in the room to stop them. So like, it's just uh, like everyone's memories of the way things shook out aren't always accurate, including mine. And I just think that's an interesting dynamic to mention only because you may never feel like you got that right. Like you may go, you'd be like looking back in 10 years going, "Uh, I guess I missed some stuff or I came down too hard on the wrong kid.
1: Yeah well, yeah. and we we've done quite a few episodes on sibling dynamics, and i I do want to say that the whole point of these house rules is that it is not we're not giving you a like a comprehensive parenting philosophy for raising siblings. we're giving you examples of how real moms in different situations handle their sibling fightings, and those are two very different things so um I guess that's just like an expectations right sizing here. I agree, Megan. I think. This is a much bigger topic, but what I love is seeing that these are, I almost think of these as little shortcuts or little mantras that people return to as a touch point in their much more global, like parenting strategy, if that right. makes sense. yeah. Um, we're going to go through several, several ways that moms handle fighting and also the the making up and the amends after fighting. And I'm, as I'm looking at these, a lot of them include little mantras or things that Moms find themselves saying over and over again, which by the way, may or may not work. Like Chelsea said, I think I say, keep your hands to yourself 157,000 times a day. Does <laughs> right. it work? Absolutely not. And I thought that was funny. And then Leilani commented, This is genius. She said, to, in response to Chelsea, she said, We say kafuti. And I'm going to spell that. It's K A H.
0: So genius.
1: F O O T Y. So like kafuti. It stands for keep all hands, feet, and other objects to yourself. She said it's a silly word that gets their attention. Most of the time it works. minor nine and five, but some days it's rough. So like you're not, kids are going to mess with each other. You're going to say keep your hands to yourself, but like I love the kafuti. Just turning it into like a, a buzzword that is only within your family. Now we're gonna have like thousands of other families uh, incorporating kafuti. That's amazing. I love
0: kafuti. It's gonna become as it's iconic. You know, it's gonna be like an it iconic is. thing. Yeah, it it'll be printed it on t-shirts. I hope that um, I I hope that Leilani gets like I don't know royalties? the royalties <laughs> or like the licensing rights to this word. You better get on it, Lalani, because I think that this that. is gonna be on mugs and things. So
1: I yeah. love it. Um, I have two. Carly and Lori's kind of go together and are very similar, um, to, to, to things that I did. And I don't even know if I would have called them house rules at the time. They, they seemed kind of just common sense, um, but they're smart common sense. So Carly says, when you're playing in a family area of the house, a common area, you have to include or share with anyone who wants to play. Um, if you want to play with something and you'd rather not share or include, you need to do it in your room. Now, I will say like that's age specific and sibling dynamic specific and situation specific. um, And there have been times where I didn't do exactly that. But I think as a as an overarching guiding principle, I was like that, too, which is if you're playing with common toys in a common area of the house, common courtesy is expected with regard to including and sharing. If there's something really proprietary to you, I can set you up on the dining room table with a tray up away from the toddler or you can go. You know, to another part of the house and I'll do my best to protect you. But you can't sit here in the middle of everything and then just blatantly exclude your siblings. So that was Carly's. Um, And Lori said, we often repeat when one person stops having fun, it stops being play and starts being mean in terms of her boys roughhousing. She said, we make sure that they check in with the person they're playing with to see if they're still having fun. And I fell back on this one a lot. And I would just kind of casually say like, hmm, this doesn't sound like it's fun for everyone. Like, is everyone having fun? And then, you know, they'll tell you pretty honestly. Um, And if someone's not having fun, something needs to change. And you're not you're not accusing like you're not accusing one person of being like a bully or anything. You're just saying, like, oh, it looks like this was fun, but it's not fun anymore. And I'm observing that because so and so is crying (laughs) or like covering their face with their hands like it doesn't look like this is fun. And I also think that one works well for playdates. I've done that on playdates where I don't know the other kids super well, and I don't like want to get too involved, but I'll just be like, Hey, is everyone, is this, is this still fun for everyone or do we need a new game? So I liked both of those. Those are like general, almost like mantras or just like kind of general approaches. I liked a lot.
0: Yeah, me too. Okay. This one is so simple from Emily and I really like it. Um, It's if you push your sibling down, help them back up. Now, Mind you, she says if this is if they fall down, like it sounds like it's if they fall down while like horse playing or both having fun. It's not license for one sibling to (laughs) intentionally shove the other one down just so they can help them back up and get a pass. I feel like it's if if the play gets a little out of control and one kid falls down, oops, that happens. And it's not a big deal. But now it's your responsibility to help them. And I remember saying a lot um, to my kids when they were little. Well, maybe not really little because they wouldn't have understood it. But, you know, there's a saying, no harm, no foul. Mm -hmm. And I remember saying to my kids, there can be foul. There can be harm without foul. Like, you don't have Mm -hmm. to mean it. You didn't intentionally try to hurt someone, but they still got hurt. So now what are you going to do? Like, the harm is still there. And there's no point of them digging into the defensiveness. Like, I didn't do it on purpose. I didn't mean to. That's okay. Like, I'm not mad at you. But, you know, but still... It is still true that your little brother or sister or whatever got hurt. So what do we do now? And I just think that that empowers the siblings to get past the defensiveness or guilt and get right to the helping and making amends without it being uh, so like, I don't know, like without there being blame. It doesn't have to be like you can help someone out and make amends without having to feel guilty or super remorseful. It's just what you do as a human.
1: I love it so much, and I think it puts the attention on the the potentially injured party, like an actual injured right. person, which is always a good place to start. Like, let's make sure everybody is safe and help the person who's hurt, and we have time to work out, you know, what happened here or if we need to solve it otherwise. It also reminds me of sports, you know, like if you watch a sports game, like if somebody goes down, everybody they everybody should be there to to pull that person back up and then you can figure out, was there a foul? Like, was there, you know, does, are there other repercussions? But I love that. And it sounds like Emily's kids are really tiny. And I, what a good house rule to start at the very beginning. If someone falls down, you help them back up. That doesn't have to be the end of it, it but it's, it's it's a good start. Yeah.
0: Well, it also takes the pressure off mom to immediately have to have an, uh, 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 not a solution, a judgment. Like it takes the pressure off of mom having to immediately say, who was the fowler who was at fault? Was anyone at fault? Like it kind of gives you a little time, especially if you have a knee jerk reaction to watching one of your siblings be mean or rough with another. Um, and you want to jump in, come to the rescue to the one who fell or whatever. Like it just gives you a little time to not feel like you have to act on that urge, which for me, especially with bigger siblings, appearing to be beating up on little siblings was a big trigger for me. And it was often not true. So it was really good for me to always like kind of build in something where I had to take a few minutes to react. Otherwise I sometimes would unfairly uh, react Mm -hmm. towards the perceived, you know, offender, the bigger or the stronger or whatever. Um, The next two I thought were great. They're both about consent. So Cassandra and Lori both talked about that. Um, Cassandra said everyone has the right to their own body, which means we don't get to touch people if they don't want to be touched. And we have a say who touches us and how, and Lori said, um, we're working on consent a lot. We make sure that they ask before giving hugs or sitting on laps, which is, you know, something that can be sort of coerced at times and also can seem so benign, but not everyone always wants a hug and yep. not everyone always wants you sitting on them. And those are things, um, we learn, we know as moms, we don't always want our kids sitting on us or leaning on us or, you know, in our faces and our, uh, our kids feel the same way about each other being in their space. And I think sometimes kids are just expected to like accept that. Yeah. And, you know, that's not fair. We wouldn't, we wouldn't accept that for ourselves. I wouldn't be okay if I was sitting um, with a group of friends and one of them just like sat in my lap and started touching my face. I'd be yes. like, Hey, um, could you back off? And yeah, kids are human. You know, they're smaller and less, I guess, um, less or more impulsive, you know, human beings. Yeah. So they get to have rules like that as well. Yeah. Um, and then one more, Jessica. I like this one because it just kind of made me think. So Jessica says, you can't angrily refuse an apology. You can say, I'm not ready to accept your apology yet, or thanks. I'll, I'm still mad, but I'll feel better later, but you can't scream. Not okay. I hate you or whatever. And what I like about that is, I mean, even if the answer was you got an apology and turned around and walked out of the room because you just couldn't handle it even that to me feels acceptable, but like, yeah, like lashing out at someone who's like, um, making, trying to make amends and like screaming at them and like heaping more salt in the wound or whatever feels like one of those things that just doesn't go anywhere good. Like it, it just escalates things that don't need to be further escalated. So I like that. Like you don't have to accept the apology. It's just that the manner in which you don't accept it matters as well. Right.
1: Yeah. And it reminds me of, um, in, Like with my kids, I never apologizing was not a house rule. I never, I never asked them or required them to apologize because I just didn't feel that didn't feel super genuine or helpful. Like it didn't actually feel like it did much to me, but I did. It was a house rule that you check in with the wronged person um, and seek amends in some way. And that that's super vague, but it often looked like, well, we have a problem here, like I wonder what we can do to make things better and kids will have their little ideas. And, um, sometimes eventually they would do apologies. I can tell you when you don't force apologies, the ones that come out are very, very sweet. I have some saved letters and things of like real apologies. So I think, um, um, making amends and apologies is really tricky and there's a lot of different opinions out there on it. And if you're feeling unsure about that in your, uh, sibling parenting, you're not alone. It, it it just takes a little, it takes some trial and error to find out what feels right to you. Um, so I love that Jessica has found a way to be like, yeah, you don't have to like, forg- we're not requiring forgiveness or like, you know, because that takes a lot of maturity to get to the point right. where you're like, I apologize. I forgive you. Like right. three-year-olds <laughs> and five-year-olds aren't there yet, but um, but that there's a way to accept it Um, that that meets with her house rules. Exactly. Yeah. Love it. Well, I thought we could finish on some, a few more that almost are more like family mantras or house rules that kind of just set the tone for relationships or responsibilities. So this is a little bit of a catch all before we wrap up today. And I, I really loved, people are so smart in our community. Yeah. I loved reading these
0: people really are. And I also love that this kind of appealed to the people who maybe weren't as rule oriented, but like still do have guiding principles that mm-hmm. that just like set that tone. And I um I think, you know, some moms probably sway one more one way than the other, but this really spoke to me. So uh, there's a couple in here that I thought were really great. Um, Kara said, when we have fights, we say we are sisters first, inspired by the book of the same name. I just think that's one of those things that it's like good to remember, like we are sisters mm-hmm. first. And I remember saying things to my kids like, you will always be family. Like, just remember, like you're stuck with each other. And that was such a guiding principle for me to really encourage that sibling bond really over anything else um, Mm -hmm. and beyond everything else. And the other one that Kara said was we don't use shut up or be quiet in our house. And I think everybody has phrases that trigger them or get under their skin and shut up and be quiet are two things that have always felt particularly nasty to me. And I I don't know why. Maybe because my mom didn't like us to use those and Mm -hmm. didn't want us to say shut up or be quiet or you're stupid. Like there was certain things you weren't that bothered her so much. We weren't allowed to say them. And then it's interesting how those things can get passed down Mm -hmm. generation to generation because I still, oh my gosh, like I could probably name five times in my life. I remember someone telling someone to be quiet and I don't, I never say shut up. Like Unless yeah. it's like, shut up, you know, right. being goofy. I just, you yeah, know, we were not, not something... allowed
1: to ever say shut up either. Never. No, it's just
0: not. It sounds so mean. And it's just not something I was like, it's just not part of my vernacular in that way. And then um, there were several that were kind of on this, along this theme of pitching in and helping out. And so Laura said, our biggest family rule is everyone pitches in, whether that's to clean up the playroom and a mess you didn't make or cook a meal you don't like. Or help unbuckle a younger sibling's car seat. If you're there, you help. And I think that is one of those guiding principles that can be really hard with young kids who are in a very selfish phase. Like they don't understand why they should have to help with something they didn't do, they didn't choose, that has nothing to do with them and their little world that they inhabit. And I remember having to do a lot of that reminding, and still, honestly, I still do, even with the older kids. Like just because, I mean, you can argue with me all day about how, um, you don't care that the lawn looks crappy, so you don't want to mow it, or <laughs> you didn't actually dirty any dishes today somehow magically, so you don't want to load the dishwasher. But we all live in this house. Everybody pitches in. It's too bad. So sad. And, you know, that doesn't really ever go away in my experience, but it gets better because they just start to become a little, whether it's maturity or just having that lesson. um kind of ground in over the years like they do start to realize that when everyone helps everyone's load is lighter and they become a little less selfish and self-centered it's less about what they did or didn't do and more about how they can contribute so um yeah yeah, I love those
1: I love that too and it does take a while and I will say if you are more structured and rule oriented and systems oriented like me it may be even harder because often I have a chore system for most things so I have like a rotating who sets the table and who takes the trash bins out. So then if I ask for support or help pitching into a general project, I can get even more pushback. Like, well, it's not my day. Like I already did all the things on my list today. And it's like, well, but also, and yes, that is true. And also we're all expected to pitch in. So I agree. That's not, it's not easy, but what a great, uh, what a great thing to have your biggest family rule be and to continue to return to. Um, just to finish out, I loved both Emily and Mickey, um, had a mantra of we're a team. So Emily said, we have a, our family is our team rule. And we talk a lot about how teams work together to accomplish things. And I love that. There's so many, um, there's so many good connections and, um, ways you can, like take that analogy out into the sports world or the work world. And like, what does teamwork mean? Um, so I love that. That's such a, such a simple and great one. And then Mickey, I love this. She has a seven and a two-year-old. So there's quite a bit of an age gap. And with her seven-year-old, she tells him that they are a team. And as a team, we work together to help make the, you know, toddler life go smoothly. And I definitely, so I have that age gap between my oldest and my youngest, but then I have one in the middle. And I, I mean, Violet was a challenging baby and toddler. And I definitely remember using that kind of like teamwork mentality with Allegra and Reed and me to just be like, well, like this is our life right now. Like we're going to work together to, you know, make this a fun day, um, even though it's challenging. So I love the team, the team theme.
0: Yeah, me too. Well, Sarah, this was so much fun. I love when we get a chance to highlight our, the great ideas that come through our community and just how smart everybody is. So we want to keep doing this if we can. We have some ideas. Sarah, you want to share a few of those?
1: Yeah. Well, actually um, when we call, when we asked for sibling harmony ideas, we got quite a few that had to do with games and board games. And I didn't include them because Megan, I feel like we could do a whole episode of house rules for playing games. Um, We have done episodes about board games before. And actually you have some really smart house rules that I have adopted from your board game playing but we could definitely revisit that and then and source from the community so i have house rules for playing games i think would be really fun house rules for easier mornings or better bedtimes like we know those pain points in the day i was thinking we're headed closer to summer and people are starting to travel so i was thinking something about like I almost put house rules for being on vacation. And then I was like, that's the most Sarah thing that's ever been written down. Like Megan's not going to accept that (laughs) because you don't need rules when you're on vacation. But you know what I mean? Like, I feel like there are things my family does when traveling that are different. So it's almost like, oh, when we're on vacation, like here's what we do. So there's I totally agree.
0: Like house rules, not only. okay. so there's a lot of traveling in small um, in small contained spaces when you're Mm -hmm. you know on vacation and so um house rules even like all the 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 great ones we got about the car I bet we would get even more road trips and um sharing a hotel room there's Mm -hmm. definitely house rules there's there's house rules for how to have your family life in someone else's home and Mm -hmm. there's house rules for like being I remember so much um kind of in that teamwork phase emphasizing with my kids when they were little, like we're all going into a restaurant and we are going to be the most amazing family that's in this entire restaurant. So Mm -hmm. like, it's almost like everybody would get geared up just to like the house rule was, we're going to put the rest of this town to shame by how good we all are in the restaurant. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was a survival thing for me. Like, you know, I just had to do that. So I think that's a great one. I want to do, let's do that one next.
1: Okay. So that, that'll be next. I didn't shoot you down.
0: See what I did. I I totally.
1: House rules when you're not in your house, maybe. right? Yeah. Yes. Outings. Um, Yes. Well, and then we know we, we chat about our Facebook group quite a bit and we know not all of you are on Facebook or like Facebook. And I am in that club as well. The only place I go on Facebook is our group. um, And and that is where we had this conversation. So if you've been on the fence or if you, this is the first time you're hearing that we have a Facebook group, um, we'll link it up in the show notes. It's a really supportive, wonderful place of other mom hour listeners. And there are a few questions that you have to answer before we let you in. And we really look at them. And, and it's mostly because we assume you're listening to this podcast. There's a lot of motherhood groups on Facebook. You're not, you can find many, many groups for moms on Facebook. This group, we're connected by the fact that we listen to this podcast. So that's why we ask you, you know, what episode you happen to have just listened to and what you're looking for. So do answer the questions because. We we don't let in people who don't answer the questions. And so
0: Well, we're trying to keep it safe and for and and uh positive for everybody. And we know that if you're listening to this, like you're probably like-minded with us and we're we're gonna get along. Um it's not about like building up our show, it's about we wanna make sure it's a positive space and we keep hearing how people think it's the best Facebook group for moms that there, there is, but those are our people. So if you're listening, you are our person. And so so yeah, definitely let us know that you are part of this community and that we're all kind of in the same, we have the same kind of mindset about the way we approach dealing with other moms and like how we talk about these things, like super respectfully and kindly and supportively. And that's really important to us. So the bigger the group gets, the easier it is to keep it that way. If we just know we have some kind of common ground.
1: Right. And it's not like common ground. Like we have to agree on everything. Um, We, but we know you're not, there's no shortage of places to crowdsource you know, like car seat brands. We know you, we have that. That's we're not. So it's not like we're holding back like information that we don't want everyone to have. Um, we just to keep the conversation respectful and supportive. Um, I think that's the common denominator is that you're part of this community. Okay. And we will be back with you next Tuesday, which will be kicking off June. So have a good Memorial day weekend, everyone. And Megan, this was fun. Back to you soon.
0: Sarah, this is our favorite calendar for busy moms because it's beautiful and simple design shows around three months at a time.
1: Yeah. And with summer fast approaching now is a great time to get the essential calendar and see what I've been raving about all these years. Get 10% off your order at the essential the mom hour. That's 10% off at the essential the mom hour.